Trade Talk is back. It is great to be back. There has been all kinds of rumblings going on in the market, uh, specifically coming out of China. Loving this next episode we're about to share with you. Obviously, I have, from the description you already know, I have uh, Charlie from Gembot.io back, the bad bear of Auckland. <laughs> we have a, a, a funny nickname that we have uh, due to some NFTs that uh, Charlie was, uh, you know, active in. But let, let's get to the real point here. Um, from the front, from the prior two episodes that we were talking about, we, we especially from my um, unwind, just a rewind episode where we have some conversation about China, then Charlie speaking about um, what he was looking at from uh, a new growth cycle or rather just a new uh, growth bubble <laughs> that is uh, taking place in some of these markets. Uh, Charlie was speaking a lot about China and I had some detractions because, you know, I, I thoroughly got my ass kicked in China. And I, I guess I'm a glutton for punishment because I'm definitely willing to listen to what Charlie has to say because I, I find him to be uh, one of the four leading minds in not only finding undervalued uh, Chinese stocks right before they pop, uh, but also being able to analyze them and having, you know, a really objective opinion. So, you know, without further ado, Charlie is here and, uh, you know, I, I want him to just give me what he thinks is going on in China and uh, especially these tickers because the tickers are the best part. Charlie, how are you? Yeah, great to be back. Great to be back once again and talking about one of my favorite topics at the moment or for the last while, which has been China. Um, obviously China has been unfavored by most and considered uninvestable, um, by large swaths of the investment community. And that to me always gets me interesting when someone says something is uninvestable, uh, because that to me says that people are too scared to tread in those waters and that's where value can be found. So, <clears throat> so, you know, I've been really interested in Chinese equities for a while um, have just seen them get more and more undervalued you know a lot of them kind of having kind of market caps of one third of their cash balance and um, growing um, significantly so and having good business fundamentals a lot of them are profitable so yeah I mean I've been interested for a while um, been basically building positions especially over these last couple of months um and that last flush that we had just over a week ago uh to me was the uh was uh potentially the hallmark sign of the end of a reflex a negative reflexivity cycle wow you know so i, I see where you're coming from here and i gotta play devil's advocate man because the biggest detractor that, that people say is that there's so much market manipulation uh, in China, specifically just in the stock market. Remember um, from uh, Lucking Coffee, then affecting ADRs in the U.S. And, and, and even furthermore, the property market um, and the lenders in the property market. Sorry, not lenders, developers in the property market. I mean, what do you have to, you know, how do you defend that though? That's the thing. How do you defend that? Well, I mean, that's, that's, that's the great thing about it, right? Is that, um, you know, bad actors have been, have been found and generally bad actors get found out relatively quickly. Um, you know, 
there are significant risks that we'll discuss in this podcast about China. Uh, for example, ADR delistings. Um, and there will be delistings. But guess what? The ones that don't get delisted, um, the ones that have decent accounting standards and the ones that regularly comply and uh, report as they need to, um, to the US regulators will eventually find a bid. Uh, and they already have um, started to find a bid. So, you know, delisting is, to me, the biggest risk here um, for, the, for, for the Chinese names that I hold. Um, I suspect that you won't see everything get, well, I don't, I don't see a world where everything gets delisted. Um, that is obviously a possibility, but you know, there is a chance that one or two of my names get delisted. I, I guess that is, that is a, that is a risk, but that's a risk I'm willing to take because when you're looking at something that you could credit, credibly see, credibly see kind of you're getting at 10 cents on the dollar then you know i'm willing to um take that risk of delisting you know knowing the fact that i could you know some of these names you know get a get a 10 bagger indeed indeed you're right i mean and and i think that's the price discovery not even price discovery arbitrage discovery all kinds of discovery that people are you know turning a blind eye to but you know the reason why i say it makes me cautious because some of the smart money is looking that way i mean you you can take the 10 baggers and and for those who are not understanding because uh we we have our own jargon sometimes but meaning 10x return on your money but you know you you go right back into another situation of yuan manipulation so you know just like we, we play with our interest rates here to make our dollar stronger, uh, constantly devaluing the yuan over there, you know, with, as we said in our prior podcast episodes, um, reinflating the economy, you know. So, you know, how do you put that into play when you look at your thesis? Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting point. Um, I think we have to bear in mind that pretty much every government in the world right now is addicted to cheap money and uh, has a real spent every government has a real spending problem <clears throat> what i liked about china is that they um they popped their bubble you know nine months ago you know they did a they did a controlled demolition of their of their equity markets just before the evergrande stuff started to unfold now you've got the evergrande stuff that's um also unfolding and and coming to a head eventually that will get resolved uh, like most restructurings do, especially in a place where, you know, they're incentivized to keep the keep the keep the train on the tracks. Um, like any government, of course, uh, they will backstop when they, where they need to. Uh, now, I don't personally look at the real estate uh, piece in China because I do think that they had a huge bubble, uh, and and that was kind of a part of my bullish thesis on the equities is that the equities were so undervalued relative to you know stuff like the the real estate market that there was a real opportunity there um and you know there's manipulation currency manipulation and, and manipulation through government intervention all over the world um it's it's nothing nothing new um and i think that actually at the moment china has a very stable um government well a very stable situation going into 2022 and 2023 obviously there are some 
some issues uh, around sanctions and such. Um, uh, but what I found quite interesting recently is, despite all the bad news, the good news is outweighing the bad news. And it's not like the good news has changed. This is the same good news we heard six months ago. The difference is, is that at the end of a negative reflexivity cycle, you see that the good news starts to reinforce more good news and it, and it starts to stick. And the bad news, what you find is it gets, there's a diminishing return. There's a numbing effect. The bad news hits. Yes, you might see a little dip, but the, the bid comes right back in. And that's kind of been the real, the real difference with this last couple of weeks um, is that there's been a shift in, in sentiment, it seems. Okay, so, and, and I remember when we were having these conversations about, you know, names like Baba, some other tickers, uh, but when I look at those things, and just like you're saying in these past few weeks, the other thing I started thinking about is the Chinese are kind of sniffing around Russia. Remember when we were looking for, uh, what's it called, union pay? Or there was some pay, yep. you know, some pay. So, okay, it was union pay and trying to see if we could get any any pieces of it, though it was trading in, in the Hong Kong market. No, it was the, uh, uh, it was the Shanghai, Shanghai market, Shenzhen yeah. market, um, trying to see if we could get a piece because obviously they were going to be uh, the payment processor in Russia. You know, are, are, are you not afraid of uh, potential U.S. sanctions? Well, that's a really interesting one. Um, I think strategically it would be a horrible move to sanction China right now. I mean, you've just sanctioned 10% of the world, uh, of, of GDP. Uh, if, you, if you sanction China, you're going to really hurt America. You're going to hurt, you know, Apple has 19% of its revenue come through China. Tesla has a massive fucking uh, manufacturing facility in China that would be taken hostage. Um, and then, of course, you've got to bear in mind, the U.S. needs people to, to, uh, to service its debt. How can the U.S. service its debt if it sanctions half the world? Um, and then, you know, other countries are going to get desperate and they're going to need that oil and gas. They're going to need that bread basket. They're going to need that fertilizer. And what's going to happen? They're going to have to start changing their changing the rules on on what they uh, uh, you know and moving away from their their the moral uh, kind of decision making framework because there's another moral imperative, right? When half of your population's starving because you can't get you know the the food you need into the country that you know and you're not a tier one country, um, what are you going to do? You're going to have to work with, you might have to work with Russia. So from a sanctions perspective, it's, an, again, that's another risk. Um, and I do think that if there's sanctions, it massively increases the chances of World War Three. And, you know, if we get to a World War Three status, I think we've got bigger issues to worry about than our portfolio value. <laughs> I, I would agree. I would agree. I, I hate to laugh at that comment, but it's just, it's true because we, you know, so quickly does everyone want to run to the doomsday, um, you know, ideology, like we always talk about tinfoil hats, <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it, it is a valid, uh, it's a, it's a valid, I guess you could say you counter 
to to your bullishness. Um, but I, I, I think of, of all these things, it's the most far fetched. And I bet I, I, I do. I like where you're coming from. Um, and I, it's got me excited to get back in. You know, I, I definitely got kicked in the teeth last go round because I couldn't see that part of China. Let me ask you what when you start looking at China and evaluating what tickers you want, are you keeping up with the day to day news? Because I feel like last time around, what I missed is that I, I wasn't just keeping up to the day-to-day news so quickly. I, I, I was like two days later after I found out they, you know, started um, deleveraging the economy and they did it pretty quick. Well, they went in with the regulations and the regulations, the reason they got, everyone got hit so hard on the regulations was that um, it seemed like such a shock. It's like Wall Street had no idea about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that took everyone by surprise. And in a sense, it was good because it's not like a few people got away as winners. Pretty much everyone got um, everyone. Everyone got humbled. Right. Um, and then in that situation, you know what you, you the, the cool thing is, is that's when I started looking at China. So the exposure was real low and it just meant that I was able to get stuff that I thought was cheap, like even cheaper. Um, but I just waited on the sideline, waited on the sideline, had a nibble on the really bad days and, you know, and got more aggressive as time went on. Um, now, I look at the news, um, but ultimately, I'm also just looking at the businesses that I hold. And mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, is this what does the business look like? Is it going to still grow? Does it rely on America? No. Or yes. Fine. Um but is it going to grow? Um, and is it profitable? Um, do, do they, um, do they operate in line with the, um, government's objectives? That's always a helpful one. And um, very much so. And, and, uh, and can they, can they, you know, can they thrive in a, in in the, in a, in the kind of world that we, and, you know, if it passes a bunch of those, if it has a shit ton of, if it has more cash than the market cap, I'm interested, especially if it's profitable and growing. Um, and yeah, I'm, I, I, I kind of, I just look, I, you know, and then I like to take an approach of, you know, picking up a bunch of names of companies that I think are, yeah, you know, minimum three to four X in the next couple of years, but you know, potentially 10 X. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I look at, industries that i know and i understand um and i can see there being a market for and then i just go from there so in 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 the chinese cycle of things you feel like a lot of these names are a longer term hold like and when i say a longer term hold meaning like you're going to hold them probably through the year or is it where you know you're just looking for some pops in the names to sell them and you know look if it is a decent pop i'll i'll take it's hard to say. It depends on the name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm here for a good time, not a long time with China. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I will position appropriately. Because, yeah, like, you know, uh, I, I, it, I guess it would come down to how comfortable I felt with the amount of uh, the portfolio value was in China. Um, so we have some internal rules around that that we just adhere to. I know that we're going to, 
end up coming close to those rules really quickly, obviously, as the value of these positions grow. Uh, and then I'll just play some defensive uh, stops, you know. So once we get to a certain point with the name, put in some defensive stops. And, um, you know, if they get hit, they get hit. If, if they don't get hit, I just keep moving it up. And I'll just keep, and then once it eventually gets hit, I'm out the name. I won't think about it ever again, unless it comes out up on the radar as a ten cent on the dollar again, kind of thing. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. So, what um, what are the tickers that you're you're looking at? I mean, you can you can go through whichever ones that you want, whatever you like. But I definitely want to to get a nice focus on that. Because, you know, like you were saying, you were finding these value opportunities. Please share. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, none of this is advice. Um, but just some of the companies that I found quite interesting. Uh, I'll go for the biggest cap first. I like Baidu. Um, and I like Baidu because of their autonomous vehicle um, program and their AI, all the AI programs that they have around their business. Um, obviously, a lot amongst, uh, you know, all the existing kind of business lines they already have that are successful and substantial. Um, but I really like the autonomous uh, taxi network they're going for. And um, out of the big tech companies, they seem to be most... Yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty interested in Baidu. Um, and then in terms of some of the kind of companies with really good cash positions, I would say that Douyu, a gaming company, uh, has about, I think it has like three to four times, sorry, it has, yeah, it's, it has three or four times its, uh, no, 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 sorry, let me just look at this. I It's two times now, uh, the cash over, um, uh, over the market cap. What's that Douyu um, sticker? D O Y U. Thank you. Um, and then GSMG uh, and MKD. Uh, GSMG is an online retail and social shopping platform um, and app. Uh, they're doing a lot to create more fair competition in China. And I think that some of the smaller names are kind of interesting. They have good growth. And, um, you know, once they get out of their kind of recession kind of period, that company um, will continue to grow, but it could start to grow quite substantially. MKD is another small mini, uh, like small cap company that is an online e-commerce marketplace for the chemical supply chain. Um, and I think that's very interesting. <clears throat> and then you've got VIOT, which is an internet things company. And I think, I believe that once the supply chain issues are sorted, um, they will continue to grow. Um, and then you've got, I mean, there's a, I've got a bunch of names, but just two more would be uh, KC, which is King's Croft, I think, uh, is, their, is their company name. And they're a cloud infrastructure play. So, you know, they provide um, cloud services, essentially. And obviously, we know that... competitor to Amazon, yeah. Uh, essentially, yeah. Then um, they do a bunch of other services alongside that. So they're, they're, they're growing. They, they do insane revenues. And then the, 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 the very hated, uh, but I got very, very cheap, 
online educational company, COE. Um, and they're an online education company that has exposure, not just in um, China, but also in the Philippines. Yeah. And um, they have some operations in the unregulated part of the online education space. Great growth, uh, highly profitable. Um, and, uh, you know, at the end of the day, um, every ambitious company need to um, have strong education. Okay. That's a leading, that's a, that's a key indicator for a successful company, uh, co not company, country is their education. True. So anything that furthers education um, is a positive. Now, that became a bubble very, very quickly last time, and it got absolutely popped. In a, <laughs> yeah, it in got a... us. I agree. <laughs> but, um, I mean, geez. Uh, um, yeah. I mean, to get, get into that um, at these levels, super interesting. Super interesting. And we still have the so... initiative by the Chinese government for education less video games. So. Yeah, so obviously we've got an, uh, we have got a little bit of exposure to video games through Douyin. Um, so, you know, um, yeah, you got to be careful. I think that if you want to be extra conservative in China, you go and just avoid anything the government hates. I've been <laughs> a little bit. Well, well, you know, you, and you can still be aggressive, in my opinion, because. Uh... You still have a situation where, uh, you know, institutions are looking for yield in emerging markets. And if that's the case, uh, they're going to pick some of these names that have that growth or those, you know, that ca those cash positions, because it's not just only um, doing business in China only. I'm sure it's doing business throughout Asia as a whole. Right. Um, you know, like a yep. Douyu. Douyu, do do for example, has a real big presence in Japan. There you so... go. Like the gaming so very, capital of the world, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you've got, um, yeah, you've got that kind of aspect of it. And um, that's a very good point. And uh, that, the cool thing is, is if the ADR uh, situation gets con conclusively solved, uh, solved, then all of a sudden you've got all the ETFs buying back into the ADRs. You know, you, you it's not like you... Uh, it, you, you'll admit, like, these things will double. You know what I mean? Like, trying to... I mean, we saw it the other day. You saw it the other day, and, and, and I, you know, I got up in the morning, and we, talk, we talked about it. I yeah. mean, how do you get... How do you get in on that move when you get a 75% move in KC in one day without being in it before that move? It's, it's not possible, you know? and, and, just, and I think... No, sorry, not to cut you off. I'm just saying, I think some of that discovery there has to do with um, you have to beat the U.S. market to or the U, a lot of the U.S. investors and institutions to what is going to be inevitable of what is, you know, what they're going to have to pick. They're going to have to go right back looking in emerging markets for yield, because though I know the, you know, the interest rates will go up hopefully giving better yields on, you know, some things, but the deflation of our markets and just pretty much the fact that uh, you would be looking for other places to uh, get a quick and fast return while, you know, our, our stock market's on the down, probably going back to China to some of these names. 
You know, no one, yeah. we don't have emotions towards this stuff. Sometimes you lose, but it doesn't mean, you know, you lose forever. So, yeah. I mean, since last year, I was like net short the US and long China. Mm. And I'm up 13% year to date, right? So, like, and I've been buying US growth. Now it's in the toilet because no one wants it. I like to yeah. buy things that no one wants. Uh, for a, for a long time, no one wanted China. For a little bit longer, people won't want China, but eventually people are going to be forced to buy China because the ADR delistings won't ha- may not happen. And if they don't happen, lots of funds have to buy it again. Oh, they're, yeah, they're um, going to look for the yield. And, yeah. and then people are fickle. They'll be going back there, chasing the greed. These things will go, uh, these pr- things will probably overshoot. I'll be able to sell out. And then, um, you know, the next news cycle, negative news cycle will come in and I might be able to rebuy if they get cheap again. So, you know, these same cycles happen over and over again in the market. So I'm looking to buy stuff that no one wants. And when everyone wants it, I'm already out. Unwind or rewind, like we said in the other episode. Man, Charlie, I, I appreciate you so much. Um, a lot of people may not even know this, but we have uh, two really killer episodes coming uh, in the future. And I know it's stuff that most people aren't even looking at. Remember we were talking about um, uh, shorting growth in uh, the UK as well as the adjustable rate mm. mortgages in uh, Australia and New Zealand. Uh, I, I just and Canada. And Canada. Oh, in Canada. I, I just know we're ahead of the market on that. So once we, you know, continue to get our research together, I can't wait to share that with the uh, audience. But man, I, I just appreciate you for, you know, just lending... Um, your expertise, because I know you've done a lot of work on these Chinese names. Hell, there's still more names that you didn't even talk about. So I know you're really deep in China. And uh, I'm, I'm really happy to take another swing at this. Uh, so just to unanimously even say it on my podcast, like I'm, I'm going back into China. Uh, I made a bit of a blurb about it, but I wanted to, uh, I wanted you to share, you know, your firm opinions on it. And uh, I, I definitely agree with you. I think uh, it's time to you know, beat them this time to the cycle. <laughs> so when the rest of and the market and it's not for the them. and it's not for the faint-hearted, you know. Like, and it's not about going all in on China. You can't be all in on China. You got to, you know, you got to be responsible with your capital. You got to protect your capital while taking your calculated risks. So that's what we will do. That's how we'll play it, and we'll make sure that we're always protected and protecting our portfolio. Awesome, man. Thank you again, Charlie. Again, Charlie Needham from Gembot.io. Check them out. Gembot.ai. Gembot.ai. Dot AI. My apologies. I'm going to to put the Twitter on there. Check them out. Uh, Thank you so much, sir. I appreciate you. Thanks. Till next time. Take care, guys. Bye.